Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Welcome to episode 124 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. There is so much goodness in store for you today, and not just on this podcast, but today in life, there's goodness in store for you. I'm just going to jump right into this conversation. I'm going to caution you that this conversation may be a wee bit stream of consciousness and us just kind of touch on a lot of topics as there's so many things that I want to dive into today with my dear friend and close collaborator, Mike Vacanti, and you joining as our guest. Mike Vacanti, what a joy to say welcome back to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Puts a big smile on my face. Yeah, well, you're no stranger here. As a matter of fact, I think you are only the third person to join me as a guest on three episodes, the other two being Gary Ridge of the WD-40 Company and Rich Sheridan, author of Joy, Inc. and CEO of Menlo Innovations. But you, Mike, it hit me just a little while ago. You are the first to do all three visits in the same calendar year. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, that speaks to your patience in a great way, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's look at this another way. How crazy is this, Mike? It hit me as I was preparing for this, that a year ago at this time, we didn't even know one another. Gosh, that's true. That's true. We had not been introduced yet. We were introduced right around Christmas, maybe Christmas Eve, and then it was January 4th, that first Friday of this year, that we connected on that call that I call Gilligan's Island because it was a three-hour tour. You know, it was... Yes, it was. There was such an immediate connection. And I mean, I remember that so vividly. It was before we were going into the January event in Denver. Yeah. We had that explorative conversation. And man, what a journey we've been on together since then. Yeah, it has. It is amazing. It is amazing. But before we just get so deep in this conversation, and there's so much to talk about, you know what I'm going to say. Let's ground this in gratitude. And I want to ask, and I can't even imagine what you're going to say right now. What's rising up in your heart right now as something that you're grateful for in this moment, Mike? You know, Kevin, I often say that it is the people in my life that I'm most grateful for. And that holds true because I'm constantly amazed by people. But right now, today, the gratitude that's really hitting me is the possibilities that are open in front of me. That things have unfolded and been discovered through this last short period of time that just continue to blossom. Mm -hmm. And it is relationships with people, but it's also this opportunity to step into new possibilities. Mm -hmm. Wow. And those are both topics that I want to talk about in a few moments. So, Mike, there's several reasons that I invited you to join me today. So I'm so excited to have you join me. One of those 
and this is an audio podcast, but we do record on Zoom, so I'm going to hold it up. One of those is to celebrate the launch of your first book, your new book, which I think is your first book, right? Believership, the superpower beyond leadership. So congratulations. And you've got an event happening in New York City that coincides right around the release of this podcast. And we'll go into that more later. But gosh, there's just so much to say congratulations for and to celebrate. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's an exciting time. There's a lot involved. And I'm discovering just how available yeah. the world is when I step into uncharted territory, yeah. have new experiences. And just, as I said, the things that are available are quite amazing. Yes, they are. And we're going to talk about that and dive into that. The second reason I'm so excited, as you listening may have noticed, we have a new introduction to the podcast that just started today. And it's more than just a new intro to the podcast. Let me take a moment about this. For me, it's really clarity about the podcast, what it is, what it's about, and who this podcast is serves. This podcast, you know, I've kind of been on this journey all year. Mike and I will talk about that some. We've had an amazing journey together since January, but in recent weeks, it's just crystallized that this podcast is for people. I believe people like you who have chosen or are choosing the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. And I was thinking, who better to join me for the first official or the inaugural conversation under this banner than you, Mike. Thank you for that. Kevin, I think of the road less traveled, certainly. I think back to just recently when we were in London together and being in the audience and watching you step onto stage and open people's eyes to something new and something different shining a light in a different area and offering a different perspective for how we view ourselves, how we view business. And you just have this gift of helping people explore that. And what I love, and for your listeners, for the audience, is to really embrace your willingness to explore, to explore new directions, your willingness to be vulnerable enough to make a shift, to make changes. And, you know, I'm closer, so I get to watch that happen. But stepping back now and looking at it in that frame of a year, as you mentioned, really puts an exclamation point on that. It's quite extraordinary unto itself. Yeah, okay. So there's that other word. So there are a few words that we'll unpack throughout the course of this conversation. This extraordinary or extraordinary, that's just one that has come so alive to me in the last couple of years, but in the last two or three months, it's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. But Mike, you know, then there was this other thing that I asked you, I said, hey, because I knew your book was coming out. We talked about this and I wanted to do a podcast to celebrate the launch of your book. And you know, the way so many people would typically do that is say, hey, let's dive into your book and let's talk about your book. And on page 33, you wrote this. And then I said, hey, Mike, I've got an idea. What if, would you be game to look at your book through the lens of, and us have a conversation about your book through the lens of this road less traveled? Because that's what I believe 
is a subtext that runs through your book or a storyline. Part of it is your journey of, I was going to say finding, but I'm not really sure about, in business, I would say it's finding. I think you are a bit like me in that we've always been just a wee bit out of step. <laughs> That's more than fair. Drum beat, right? <laughs> I have been directly told that. And what a journey just to find a place to embrace that. Yeah, yeah. I know that that's actually a great thing. It's a strength, not a weakness. That's true. And I think that's something for me in life that many times, and I've been called a contrarian, and I'm like, well, maybe I am a contrarian or maybe I have contrarian beliefs, but I'm not trying to be contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. It's just the way you're talking about things don't make sense to me. And so I can't accept it as best practices or as common beliefs or commonly held beliefs, because like you, I raise my hand and go, really? Why? So I think you've done some of that same. Absolutely. And a lot of it, Kevin, is I think having the strength to resist becoming someone else or becoming adherent to the patterns or the influences that are being laid in front of us. Hmm. Well, let's talk about that for you a moment. What were some of those awakenings and those milestones along the journey where you're just kind of like, I'm not sure that's the path for me, or I'm not sure I really want to step into that mold that was being offered or maybe people were seeking to press you into? Yes. It's funny, I tell the story that, you know, I don't think I had a resume until I was near 40 years old, (laughs) that I grew up in an entrepreneurial business, my family business, and that was a decade of my life. And I kind of stumbled into advertising and marketing, knowing that I just really loved that. And for 13 years, had my own marketing company, launching products, I invented a child safety product, and that took off and created its own little life. And then through a client, I stumbled into the technology sector and started doing these. I became a startup, a founder of a internet-based startup back in 2000. And, and then found myself getting into these mergers and acquisitions. And it was through one of those that I was asked to join a company and actually had to bring a resume into the door. And <laughs> I had children. I was pretty long in the tooth at that point and, you know, had a lot of ideas and creativity. So one of the epiphanies, I think, was walking in the door and looking at inside of a corporate structure and being told that this is the way we do it and feeling that I had to conform and become one of them rather than the best of me. And that always stuck with me. And I finally wrote it down. (laughs) Say what that means to you. Let's unpack that a little bit. I love that. And I love the way you and I both have this affinity for playing with words and twists of phrases. So become one of them rather than the best of me. Yeah. So it's funny that when I entered the company, I was in a leadership role. 
So I had a team of people. And then through a combination that was taking place at the time, I became one of 156,000 employees in a multinational firm. And I was at an executive level and there was many people on my team. And so I was at the executive table and they had a very clear idea of what an executive looked like, Mm -hmm. how they participated in meetings an order of things, who gets to speak, who gets to share ideas. And well, I understood how to behave in a professional environment. I'd been doing it for many years. I didn't adhere to a lot of the rules. And I had an affinity for kind of joking around and having fun. I thought if we're all going to sit together and get some stuff done today, we might as well enjoy it. And that was really a foreign concept in many of the meetings that I was called into. That's why we get along so well. (laughs) You know, I remember sitting in a meeting, Kevin, looking at my team, and we were laughing and having fun. And some of the other people that were visiting were in the room, and they were kind of miffed by that. Not just, well, that's a really cool thing. I wish that happened in my day, but more like, why is that happening? And why is that allowed? And Hmm. I looked up at the time and looked, and I looked over at them. And said, I've decided I'm not maturing past this point. Because hmm. then we'll just start dying. <laughs> and my team started laughing and they looked even more confused. And um, it gives an indication of how I approach business. Everybody was having a good time. The teams did really, really well. And so what happened that was so surprising to me is while success was happening at a very high level, achievement was taking place in a high achieving manner. But I was told that people didn't like the way that it was done. Like we were supposed to be more serious and more miserable Hmm. and struggling more. Yeah. You're not supposed to have fun at work. No success is supposed to be really hard. We'll tell you when you can have enjoyment. Hmm. All right, so here's a confession. I remember the time I spent 12 years in the wireless business. And when competition first got really ugly in our market and a new competitor had come in and one of our market managers had left and jumped ship. And, you know, that was just horrible. And I live in the state of Georgia, right to work state. So the non-compete really didn't hold up. And I remember being in a meeting and our vice president said, isn't there something we can do to make, we'll just call him Joe, but that wasn't his name, Joe's life miserable. And we can't do this. We can't do this. And I mean, it was just intense. And he said, you know, expletive, there has to be something we can do to make his life miserable. I said, well, we could hire him back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Once we kill Mike, we would not be having this conversation today. Oh my gosh, I love that, Kevin. You know, you think of that, it's like, hey, you've just won a trip. You're going to go for three days with the executive team offsite. You're going to go to this wonderful resort, and second prize is a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, Mike, speaking of trips, there was a trip on one of these trips. I believe you were in Cabo. 
And it was an awakening moment for you. Yeah, it was in the middle of one of my tours. So I had been through five mergers and acquisitions, and this was number four that I had been involved in and new leadership. And I, my team through that chaos had achieved really, really well. And so being a benefactor of that, there was another member of my team that way overachieved their goals. And so they were also on this trip. And then I was one of 12 people that were down there. And the bonus is already in the bank. The big bonus paid for some college educations. And so now I'm down there holding my little glass trophy and I get pulled aside and told, Mike, the way you do it, we love your achievement. It's hard to deny what 150% of margin, 130% of revenue, the achievement is undeniable. But we don't like the way that you show up. Mm -hmm. This is not the way we operate as an executive team. When your team gets together, they're excited to see each other, they hug, and it, it's actually, it's just quite strange. <laughs> so I, being called aside, right? The trip was no longer fun, even though I had just won the golf outing the day before with some of the executives. They probably didn't like that either. But I left Cabo knowing that I was going to leave the company. Okay, so let's bring this back a moment to this road less traveled. At that point, it seems to me that there's kind of like, that's a contrast of roads in that moment. And you're like, hmm, this is the road that the company is on. And this is the road of accepted behavior. And these are the norms they want. I could conform and go that road. Right. Or I could be true to myself and who I am and how I believe leaders should lead and do something else, do something different. Yes. And those transitions are heartache. I mean, they're not easy to then step off of that paved road and go forge another path that is walking away from a salary. It's walking away from three years of buildup into that position. And it's also walking away from the people that I was most close with, and that was my team. And that becomes a difficult decision. But stepping into and acquiescing to someone else's idea of me and the behaviors that were somehow superior or leadership, I saw it as authority. I didn't see it as leadership. I thought the way I was engaging with my team was actually leadership. Hmm. I thought they would want a little bit of that juice, but they did not. (laughs) Okay. So Mike, the book, it's called Believership. Right. I don't find that word in the dictionary. No, (laughs) it's not. And it comes up on spell check often. It's really interesting to type it out. As a matter of fact, um, I'm looking at a note right now, and yeah, it didn't pass spell check. Right, right. Believership 
is what emerged when I went through stepping in with a coach to go back and explore what happened during those five mergers and acquisitions that led to success. Where I was there, I was present in each one of those, but somebody had asked me in an interview question, Kevin, those are great results, Mike. Five times going through mergers and acquisitions, and I'm reading your resume, and it's showing these results. Why is that? And I truly couldn't answer that question. You know, I'm sure I gave the best version of what was on my mind at the time, but I came out of that interview realizing that I needed that answer. And so I hired someone to take me through. Kathleen Crandall is her name. I mentioned her in the book. She took me through a process that helped me discover what happened because of me. And it was a deep dive with a lot of input from bosses and people that were for me, with me, clients, partners, friends even, through that whole process. And what was their experience during those times together? Hmm. And what it boiled down to is they performed well. We all performed well together because we believed in what we were doing. We believed in each other. And so it wasn't any prescriptive authority. It wasn't that we had the best strategy or the best meetings or the best plan or the best clients or we were just plain lucky. It was actually that we had a sense of commitment to each other. Hmm. And we attached ourselves and we committed to doing well together because we believed. And so believership was actually the outcome and at that time, I coined that phrase, and that kind of became the soil that I started growing in when I launched kind of this solo journey again three years ago. So is it fair to say believership is a result of leadership done differently? Yes, yes. Kevin, what, what you know and we've discussed is the idea for this book, you know, I have a sense that just a belief that we can do better. And if we have a leadership crisis now and we believe that we can do better, which I hope that we all hold out that hope, then believership really just comes from asking the question, what happens because of me? And the purpose of this book is to start the conversation of what happens because of us. What does better leadership look like? And we're in a new era of business. I think that's undeniable. And we have challenges. We can point to a lot of the research, but I think everybody has a sense that we're in a state that's neither desirable mm -hmm. nor sustainable and change is needed. And I wanted to open up the dialogue of what does that change look like? Yeah. What do we need to discard to get there? And what new model would emerge around those thoughts, those conversations, those ideas? So here's what I love about the book and what I want to say. You listening, you know, for me to talk about a book with the author on the podcast, two things have happened. One, I've actually read the book. And secondly, more importantly, I believe you would benefit if you read the book. 
I will not have an author on the show to talk about their book if those two things don't exist. And so what I liked when I read Mike's book, I mean, it's very much the story of your journey because this is, I don't know, is it safe to say it's volume one of a trilogy? I know there's more to come. I'm not sure if it's a trilogy or I don't even know what you call a four-part set or a five-part set, but a quintology. No. (laughs) (laughs) I do say three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you said three. But you are not prescriptive in the answers. What you want is to invite people into a conversation, an exploration built around a couple of these really big ideas that it can be better. We can do better. And another one that I love that is, I guess, a Mikeism, is lift others. Yeah. Yeah, lift others for me is an intent that I start each day with. It's been a discipline practice and meditation for an extended period of time now, which is pretty new for me to stay with something that long. (laughs) And thank you for opening up the conversation about the book and the things that stand out. And you talk about being my journey. What I wanted to be able to express is I understand that I did not come to this place in a normal pattern, right? My journey, my professional journey has been very different. And I wanted to express where that point of view was because I think it's important because this is not a prescriptive answer. It's an exploration. And so identifying my perspective, and then these are the experiences I have. So this is what I think I learned from those experiences. And then I wanted to finish it, Kevin, with this is what I personally am doing to try to affect positive change as an invitation and as an example of let's do something. Let's step forward in some intentional positive manner Hmm. but i invite everybody in to find theirs yeah not follow mine that's why i laid it out this way and book two will be discovery so i want to hear everybody else's challenge where this is nonsense or experiences that this has started to work for me in this way And let's bring all those experiences together and have a public debate or share them together to continue the journey. Okay. So going back to this idea of the road less traveled, if you, you listening, however you've found your way to the point you are in your journey, your journey is different than Mike's. It's different than mine. It's your journey. But at the same point, we believe that you may have reached some of the same conclusions that we've reached about this is not sustainable. There has to be a better way to approach business. There has to be a better way to do leadership than the normal ways. Then I want to encourage you to read the book, read it with an open mind to just say, you know, what of this does help me? What of it resonates with me? What if it helps me find a path forward that is better? New possibilities. New possibilities, best possibilities. 
yeah, so what's the difference best, practice? best possibility and best practice? Yeah. There are things that we can learn to do that certainly work and are repeatable. And I think we find those patterns and apply them the best we can. But when we get to a point that it no longer works, then we want to take a look at alternatives. I think that's a very natural state of business. But my resistance to the term best practice is how frequently it's used in business as an authoritative statement to say, we're not talking about that. You've been given marching orders. This is best practice. You will follow it. Hmm. So we use it in a sense of it's the very best way we've all discovered and it's the one truth. And I'm saying that is a conversation closer. We've shut down conversations. We've shut down ideas. We are closing out creativity, ingenuity, and some of those very things that we're, I think, most in demand of right now. Yeah. Best practices keep you in the pack. They don't separate you from the pack. This is the best practice of what we've come to do in our industry. Yes. Yes. Or the way we've selected to do it, please do not ask any questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. Is there something else you want to say about the book? I want us to spend a few minutes on some other topics. Well, let's talk about the launch event. Oh, right. Yeah, a lot of new things come into, it was one thing to finish writing the book, right? And then to get it out and published and move forward. And so a lot of learning is along the way. Is done when you finish writing a book? Is <laughs> Apparently not. There's so much I'm learning along the way. And Thank so you. then- You wrote a book, it's done. <laughs> oh, Mike, it'll be on you now to introduce the book. Oh, I see. Yes. And then you'll want to talk about it. Oh, all kinds of new things. So we have a mutual friend, right? Our friend, Claude Silver, who has welcomed me into VaynerMedia, welcomed me into her business home in New York City to have the first event to kick it off. So the freshly printed books will be in hand and there'll be a gathering of, it's looking like now nearly 60 people at VaynerMedia in New York City. And there you go. my lovely bride will be there. Two of my five children will be there with me and a lot of friends. We'll go have some fun. We'll talk about the book and you know me, we'll mingle and we'll turn it into an open conversation and have some fun. Well, congratulations. I'm looking forward to continuing to celebrate the book. Thank you. Thank you. And where can people get the book? We'll just go ahead and say this now, and then we'll talk about something else for a few. Yeah, thank you. So through all the major book distributors, it can be ordered from Barnes & Noble and you know your favorite book outlet. Amazon.com, it's up live now on Amazon.com and ready to ship. So Believership, Mike Vacanti will get you there. Believership, the superpower beyond leadership. If you throw that into Google, it comes up. So it's ready to go. It's live. And I can't wait to hear what people think. All right. All right. So, Mike, let's wander into a couple of other topics. And when I look above my computer screen, I see this note that I put up last week 
and I've put it a couple of places in my office. And part of that is because I just want to continue pondering this question, this topic. And you're involved in this. And I say that because in just a few days, I haven't even, well, it'd be pretty simple now, now that it's December. I mean, we're just a few days. The day of this recording, we're like 29 days away from entering 2020, 2020. And I've done so many things in my life that have always led me to look at the year ahead, the year ahead, because that's how in most of corporate life, we've done goal setting. What are your goals for the next year, the next year? And a few weeks ago, it just really hit me. Okay, so I'm slow, folks. It hit me. Wow, 2020 is not just the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of a new decade. And the other thing I realized, and this is probably more clear now than any point, that there are people, and Mike, you're one of those. You and I met earlier this year, but we know that the friendship we've developed, the collaborations we have started will continue through the decade. And so all of a sudden, I've started thinking about a decade of difference. You know, not just look at 2020 as a year, but let's embrace it as a decade to tie it into your book, to do things differently, to do things better, to embrace that as a decade of difference. So what stands out to you as you kind of think about 2020 as a decade of difference? You know, I love the decade of difference, Kevin, and goal setting certainly is important. And we know how to do that well, and we have our planning cycles, and those are important. But what I really love in your focus with this is it's allowing us to step into a brighter vision for the future. So we have futurists that take a look at what are the inevitable technologies or advancements or things that will land over a period of time and how might we embrace those. And, and what I love about your vision for this is it's about how do we as people respond to the significant and rapid changes that we're going to be facing. And doing it within our own context, from young people, from those of us that have more experience and more context, what's our capacity to learn, to teach, to share, and, and kind of embrace this next period together? And you do that with long view. And I, that's brilliant and it's encouraging because you have a positive view of what can become and what does that look like and what are those experiences that we can share together. Hmm. So it's very human-based, community-based, relationship-based. And it ties to the book in this sense is, we both carry with us a strong belief that we can do better Absolutely. and that things can improve and we can bring everyone along the journey, not select and parse out and only take a few, but we can lift others along the journey with us. Your vision for that decade of difference is really I think an invitation to become excited about each of the next steps, challenges and opportunities hmm. that are in front of us. Hmm. 
Well, thanks for saying that, Mike. I, I appreciate you weighing in on that. You know, it's just interesting to me to kind of think about this way bigger than a plan, right? Way bigger than a plan. And I think of this so many times I've thought about over the recent weeks when President Kennedy announced a dream in the beginning of the 60s, by the end of this decade, we will land a man on the moon. If you had asked him at that moment or asked the folks at NASA, what's the plan? They're like, uh, we don't know yet. This hasn't been done before. We're going to figure it out, but we've committed to the destination. We're going to get it done. And they marshaled so many resources and mobilized the brilliance of so many to get there. But it's not like, well, the first step is, okay, so we're going to the moon. Give us your seven-step plan by the end of the week. Right, right. But that's how we think. I mean, here's what hit me, Mike. When I look at how I've approached years, a year, a year-long planning cycle. Wow, if something's not getting traction by January 10th, all of a sudden you start thinking, well, maybe this is for next year. We really needed to do discovery back in December because we needed to hit the ground running January 1st or the 2nd if we took the first off as a holiday. And it's just Mm -hmm. this kind of craziness. You got to hit the ground running and we've got to be making significant inroads and impact right away. And you're kind of like, wait a minute. Wow. But if we just expand the time frame and we go, let's look at what we're going to accomplish over the decade. Oh, what if the whole year becomes a discovery process for the next nine years in the decade? Yes. Oh, yes. We like to dissect things, right? And how much time do we spend with our eyeballs in the microscope, kind of looking at all the little parts in there so we can figure out how to re- put them back together in a different way to get a better result? And we have so much data now. And, and so it's all that, let's real, look at what we have. Yeah, dissect the past and figure out the next best way. And what I love about looking at a decade is really flipping that around and looking through the other end, right? Turning that microscope into a telescope and seeing what's possible out there. What can we truly envision to get done? And so the example of the moon launch of Neil Armstrong walking on the moon and when that became reality in 69, I think. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant example of what happens in a decade. It's also another really interesting point to that, Kevin, is, and we'll experience this now because of technological advances and our opportunity to explore and discover more. So the mainframe computers that were used during that moon launch and Neil Armstrong's walk on the moon, so to navigate that spaceship onto the moon, moonwalk, get them back safely to Earth, Each of us holds in our hands computing power that's one million times greater than that mainframe computer that put a man on the moon and back. Yeah. And so as you look forward to the decade of possibilities, the decade of difference, Mm. imagine how much more we can accomplish Mm. 
because of the tools that we hold in our hands if we use them properly. So what would you say, I'm always mindful of this, of people listening, and you and I were in a conversation about this earlier today. Okay, so I'm just going to say this. I've spent more time in conversations with Mike Vacanti this year than anybody else. I mean, that's in business besides family, right? I mean, you and I, we talk regularly. We were talking this morning, and I know that there are people, well, I had a text message from somebody that got some bad news in their job. And I know people that have had bad news in their health and bad news in relationships and, you know, difficult times. So here we are, we're talking about a decade of difference, best possibilities. And there's somebody that at this moment is gripped with worst case scenario. Yeah. And that's a hard place to be. Yeah. Let's spend a moment with them before we wrap up? Yeah. 2008 was the recession had hit. Just prior to that, I had been brought in to a company by somebody that I'd worked with before. And it came with the big promise, right? It was all the big stock options, big salary, and the we're going to run this company for 15 years. It's the last business card you'll ever carry. Until he as the CEO was under the economic pressures. And there was a $10 million riff that needed to take place. And suddenly all of that vision was gone. I spent 2009 without a job. And the hundreds of companies that I talked to through the time. That's really a tough spot. And it's real pain that those people are experiencing. And I think it points to the deep beauty of what we're actually discussing here today. And what you and I talk about often. We need each other. And it is that community. And it is the relationships that supersedes any other experience we're going to have along the journeys. And when we can truly be there for the other person, not in good times, but in those times of need, then we're actually of greater service than we are in a celebratory patting on the back. When we can enjoy the journey together and the depth of relationships and the value of community when it's most needed, then I think we're actually really winning. I think those are the great wins. I'm just pausing and soaking this in. And processing a thought that is forming as I'm listening to you, Mike. And it's something I've never really thought about alone. It's the way this whole idea of roadless travel kind of started forming a few weeks ago. On a Friday, I think it was just there. Who do you call when you get lost on the roadless travel, right? But here's the thought that hit me as I was listening to you right then. The roadless traveled is really lonely when you're going it alone. Hmm. 
because all of those questions about are you crazy for doing things differently, they're just amplified when things get difficult. And then if you are alone and there's no one, there's no community, there's no one else. And here's what you and I watch on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, you and I have the immense joy and privilege of seeing people who thought they were the only ones on that road less traveled all of a sudden, oh my gosh, there are all of these people? There's this community? You mean I'm not crazy? You mean I'm not alone? You mean all of those things that other people have told me? It's not true. They're more like me out here. Yes. Yes. And there's brilliance in that, isn't there? And then to hear people open up with that knowledge, that new belief, and the hope that pours through them is really inspiring to many more. And so you talk so well and help us understand what ripples and waves look like when we're conscious about that. And I think we watch those open up and, and we see all those points of entry and the ripples and waves that then expand from each of those people. Mm-hmm. And we truly have the opportunity to become multipliers. Yeah. Yeah. Open hearts. Love people. Multiply impact. Yes. That clarity has come through the journey that we've traveled together. You know, live events together, many experiences, and and as you had said, many conversations that go much deeper than what's often available. And it was with that open exploration of having the intent, the desire to become better, rather than either of us having any inclination or desire to be right. And now we're finding dozens and then hundreds and even thousands of people that are coming into that conversation. Yeah. Exploring how we can be better without any egotistical need of being right. There's a lot of hope in that. People in. Are wondering, well, how do I get in on this? Let's point them somewhere, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Humans First Club and where we meet most frequently is on the weekly calls. So the Humans First Hangout on Fridays at noon have brought many people into the fold from all over the world. Kevin, we think of some of those calls. We've had people from four continents, seven countries, in a group of 30-some that were on a self-selected open Zoom call together on a Friday at noon. And for some people, it's three or four in their morning. We've had people joining from Australia for whom it is three or four Saturday morning, and they've set an alarm to get up and join us on their weekend. Yes. Makes you scratch your head. Australia, Singapore, South Africa. It really is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So here's why I just want to wrap this up, watching our time. Wow, I did not see this as we started. But folks, you know, we started talking about uh, early on this road less traveled. Where I want to conclude 
and just ask Mike to give a final word on this. But hey, if you're on that road, don't travel it alone. Find somebody somewhere. Find your community of folks. Because here's what I do know. There are a bunch of us out there who are traveling, taking this road less traveled. You don't have to do it alone. And it is so much better together. Absolutely. So beautifully stated, Kevin. Change is a constant thing. And when we look at change in the framework of growth, growth is a positive thing. Change is necessary to make that happen. And I think that when we're not alone on those sometimes hard yards or first steps in creating change onto the road less traveled, it helps land assurance to that direction that we're traveling. And we don't need the whole plan. We just need the assurance that this next step is in the right direction and let it unfold for us. Okay. What does it take for you to get comfortable with only knowing what the next step is? Right. I can tell you years ago, I wanted to know kind of like back in the MapQuest days when you'd print out the, what, five pages, 17 pages of your trip and step by step, line by line, go here, turn right, go there, turn left, you know, all of this stuff. Wow. That's what I wanted before I ever left home. I never got that. But oftentimes I had enough light to know what the next step was. Yeah. So what does it take for you to get comfortable with just having enough clarity to take the next step and then just trust that the next one will appear beyond that one? Some of it comes from experience, Kevin. And, and I know like we're all wired differently, right? And I am the person that will just, I won't dip my toe in the water and I'll jump in and say, oh gosh, it's deep. I'm treading or it's fine. It's only up to my knees. But I came to believe this. If we take that next step forward, our vantage point changes. And what if the end result is better than what we would have conceived at the beginning? That sometimes we want to know the end before we take that step forward. And what if we operate with the belief that when I take that first step, I can see more clearly what's possible. And maybe it's even better than I could have imagined before I started. Well, that sounds like a great place to push pause, not stop pause on this conversation, because I'm sure there'll be another. So Mike, before we go, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for people to do that? We gave them humansfirst.club for the Humans First Club, but to reach out to you, the yes. best way to do that. I'm available on social media. Please know that I'm open to connecting on any of the platforms. LinkedIn is one that I'm often on, but also on Facebook and on Twitter. And mjvacanti.com is my website. And there's a contact form on there also. So please reach out and let me know how I can help you. 
Thanks for joining, Mike. This was fun. Thank you, Kevin. This is just such a great guy. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, friend. It's a joy to have you join us for this conversation. I hope there's something that's still resonating in your heart or resounding in your mind. And I'd love to know what that is if you're willing to share. You'll get my details in a moment. Let me just drop a couple of thoughts for me. You know, obviously, I'm a big believer in the road less traveled. And perhaps today I realize more vividly than before that this road, this road is challenging. And it's even more challenging when or if you try to go it alone. Don't do that. If you're on the road less traveled, make sure you find some like-hearted travelers to share the journey with. Do it together. As Mike said, lift others. This is a journey that is definitely better together. And then I realize we're closing in on the end of the year, or perhaps by the time you're listening to this, we've already started the year 2020. And as Mike said, we can do better. And I hope you're committed to making it better and making 2020, approaching 2020 as a decade of difference and you being a difference maker. So if that's something you want to explore at a deeper level, please contact me. There are three ways or four ways here. I mean, you can email me, kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. You can call or text me, 678-744-5111. Or you can book a time for us to talk by going to kevindmonroe.com slash 2020. Hey, until our paths cross again, and I hope it's real soon, I want to encourage you to keep taking your next step on the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.